share something with you this morning that I do believe God has put in my heart, especially for you today. Last Sunday, I preached a message that I just called my vision, and I told of the experience I had as I dreamed or had a vision, and and I reported it to you just as I received it from the Lord about three and a half, close to four years ago. I had told it one time before, as I explained to you, and God led me to tell it again. I was, I was developing this message for today and praying about it and seeking the Lord about it. And as I, as I did, I felt a turn in the direction of the main thing I wanted to emphasize this morning. And then the Lord showed me that this is a complementary message to the one that I preached last Sunday about the vision. So if you will look at it that way, it may be an additional encouragement to you. If you did not hear that message last Sunday, I recommend you go to our website, go to the media page, and click on that sermon that is entitled My Vision on the website and listen to it. If you choose to be closer to God and walk in a deeper relationship with the Lord, that message will mean something to you. And this message this morning will mean something to you as well. What I share with you this morning will really make an impact in the hearts of some people here. I know at the same time, and I say it reluctantly, I say it with a pang in my heart wishing it were not true, but I know that also what I'm going to say today is going to go over some heads that are just like zoom not even find a resting place to stop for a few seconds. I wish that were not true. But my experience in all of my life tells me that what I'm going to preach to you this morning is not for everybody. I want it to be for everybody. It's something everybody needs to hear or I wouldn't take your time to tell you about it. It's something that we ought to act on and everybody ought to act on. But nobody can make you do it. I can't. Nobody else can You have to make a decision, and this is a decision that every child of God has to make. You have to make a decision on how close you want to walk with the Lord. You can choose to follow Him from a distance and live a lukewarm or even cold can choose to walk closer to Him, or you can, in fact, choose to walk hand in hand with Him, because that experience is available to you. I know some of you this morning are not believers. I say that in the sense of having committed your life to Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Not because I know you, just because in a crowd this size, there will be some. I know there's some of you who are a little bit uncertain about where you stand with the Lord as far as your salvation is concerned. I hope today that nothing that I say is going to challenge your salvation if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Because you can be a Christian. I'm not encouraging you to be. You can be 
Christian and not walk really close with the Lord. You can be a Christian and be carnal. You can be a Christian and do things that the Christian is all about to do. Let me put that a little bit different. I'm not saying it quite right. You can be saved and do those things. Be saved and go to heaven. I, I ought to clarify that you can be saved and not be a Christian. I wasn't saying it quite right a moment ago. If, if you want to live for God, the first thing you have to do is be saved. But then after you're saved, there are many people who make a decision to walk not very close to the Lord. I'm not challenging your salvation. I'm not telling you you want to go to heaven. I will tell you that you'll miss out the joy, miss the joy of the closeness of relationship that you can have with the Lord Jesus is available to every Christian who wants to seek God. I'll tell you some things today that you cannot do and have that relationship. And then I'm going to tell you some things that you must do to have that relationship. I'm going to read to you this morning for Psalm 91. And my message today is a secret place. You'll understand it better as I go along. Psalm 91, the first verse, it's very familiar to many of us. That first verse says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will quicken every word that's spoken in this pulpit today. I pray that you'll anoint it like a sharp arrow to pierce our hearts. I pray that you'll illuminate it as a fresh thought to challenge our minds. I pray that you will bring it as a message to our spirit that's a call, a pull, an attraction to bring us into that place with you, O oh Lord, that you want us to be, and that is available to us through the blood of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. Speak to the heart, the life of every individual in this place today as I preach this message under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Psalm 91 is a powerful psalm. A lot of people have just kind of read it and read it through and said, what a blessing it is. But when you really dwell on it and see the power of it, it challenges you. It's challenged me numbers of times. No more so in no, in, in no greater way has it challenged me in the past than it has challenged me this week as I've looked at this verse and then at this entire psalm over and over so that I can present it to you today. He who dwells in the secret place. There's a special place in the Lord, a deep place, a close place, a special place in the hymn. That is a secret in this sense. There are many people who don't know about it. It's not a secret because God's put a blockade up around it. It's not a secret because he's shrouded it in darkness. It's not a secret because he doesn't want you to know about it. It's a secret because so many people are not seeking it. And if you don't seek it, you will not find it. You can dwell in the secret place, the secret, the secret shelter, that secret covering of relationship. And when you do come into that place, 
And it won't be sudden. It won't be overnight. It'll be a process. When you get into that place, into that sacred place, when you arrive there, you'll find that you're dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. Do you know that to be in someone's shadow, you have to be very close? You can't be in my shadow if you stand way out yonder in the parking lot. But there it is right there. See? I just noticed something else. I'm looking right down. My shadow, about a foot and a half out from me, is quite pronounced. It fades out as it goes on out there. And the top of my head, the shadow, is right out there almost at that last tile right there. And it's very faint. But up close, it's pronounced and dark. So if you were to walk up here, the closer you would get to me, the more you'd be in my shadow. The more pronounced that shadow would be. Understand the point I'm trying to make. He who dwells in the secret place, the deep place, the place hidden from all, only from those who do not seek God, but revealed to those who do, who dwells in the secret place also abides, lives, dwells in the shadow of the Almighty because he's close to God. Some time ago, in fact, it was in 2011, in January, as a matter of fact, it was the second day of January of 2011, I was at home one night alone, still living in Jacksonville, and, and Carolyn had gone over to the home of one of the girls, I don't remember which, to stay with children that night, and I was at home alone. During the night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke me up. I know it was the Lord. I wake up a lot of times, it's not God. Sometimes I wake up and I know it is God, like I did at 3.45 this morning, so I could pray about what I want to say to you today. That morning I woke up about 2 o'clock and I started to pray. You know, when, it's, when the wee hours of the night and there's nothing else to do, not worth it to get up and turn on television. I can't read at night. So the only thing I know to do when I wake up in the middle of the night is to pray. So I started to pray. I started to cry out to God. And all of a sudden God's Holy Spirit swept over me. And I began to cry out in tongues and speak out in loudly. I mean, I mean, shouting. And it went on and on and on and on for I don't know how long. I didn't think about timing it really, but it must have been forty-five minutes, an hour, hour and a half. I don't know. But it just went on and on and on, and then finally it subsided. I could be really loud because I was in the house by myself, and that was, and it was loud. But then. When it came to the close, I felt the Lord spoke to me about three things. And one thing the Lord said to me was, well, I'll tell you all three things he said. He said, I have restored you and you will know the fulfillment of my plan. And God has worked that and he's still working that. The second thing he said was, I will raise you to a level of a new anointing. And I know God's done that too since that time. And the third thing he said to me was, 
You will walk a new way. And that confused me. It wasn't that God was trying to confuse me. He was just giving me a message. And I heard it and I wrote it down. You'll walk a new way. And then I started trying to figure it out. I couldn't figure out what he meant. I didn't understand. I, I, it, it has gone on and on and on. I, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've gone back to those words from the Lord. And, and I hear, you'll walk a new way. And I, well, what new way? He didn't say you'll discover something new or have a new revelation. You'll walk a new way. Not even walk in a new way. Not a new path. You'll walk a new way. And I just kept trying to figure it out, and I never did until just recently. On the first Sunday morning of September 2015, it was, uh, it was September the 6th. I woke up really early in the morning, about 4.30, 4.45, and as I woke up, the very moments I was waking up, the Holy Spirit started to just speak and flip, just like that, that other time. And after the close of, I don't know how long again, it just went on and on and on and on. It wasn't as loud this time, but, but it was the Holy Spirit just flowing and flowing and flowing. And then I heard the Lord say three things to me again. And the last thing he said to me was not words, but an understanding of what he meant by walking a new way. And it finally, after all that time, from January of 2011 to September of 2015, I finally understood what God was talking about. And it moved my heart. I've got an illustration and a slide here that I want you to see that's going to help me explain this. Because when I try to do it in just words, it doesn't really come through quite clearly. This may not make much sense to you right now, but let me try to describe it to you. Walk a new way. I said a few moments ago, it's possible to be saved and, and live a carnal life. You can be saved and really live an unspiritual life. If you don't believe that, go read 1 Corinthians. You'll find a whole church full of people just like that. You don't have to live that way. I'm not saying that you should, but it's possible. So there are a lot of people living for the Lord who are... Kind of like that little, uh, let's see, I, I don't know if this is going to help me. I probably don't even need this little guide thing anyway. I don't need that. thought I might, but I don't. Look at that red border around there. A lot of people live for the Lord out on the outer edges. They live in the red zone. But by the way, these colors don't mean anything. They have no symbolism whatsoever. It's just to show you different grades of how close you can get to the middle. But there are a lot of people who like to walk around in the red edge. That's about as far as you can get from God and still be saved. If you get out over the other outside edge of the red, you're in the wrong place then. And you better go get saved. But there are a lot of people who, who live just like that, about that. They get saved and they just do get inside. They just get a door inside the kingdom and they try to stay in there. And Jesus talked about being lukewarm. He said, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not worthy of it. He said, if you don't take up your cross daily and follow, you're not worthy of it. He didn't say you wouldn't be saved. He just said you're not worthy. None of us worthy anyway. So he's telling us that there are levels of, there are levels of service and levels of consecration for people in the kingdom of God. 
And then if you, you really start to move closer to the Lord, you want to get nearer to Him. And so you, you kind of, after a while, you get tired of being just that insipid, vapid, weak, little namby-pamby Christian trying to say you're a Christian but don't want anybody to really know about it. Just, and you decide, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to move up to the Lord. And you move into a little closer. And you move into another zone. You get in that blue zone. And you, start, you start getting a little fire in your heart. Don't want to go too far. Because if you do, you might have to start giving more than 10%. Or if you do, you might have to commit to being in church every Sunday. Go that far. I mean, I want to get closer, but I don't want to become a fanatic about it. You get in that blue zone and you say, Yeah, I'm, I'm better than I used to be, praise God. I'm getting better all the time. Are you still moving closer to the Lord? No, I like the blue. I enjoy blue. In fact, I will tell you right now, blue is my favorite color. I, I've lived in that blue a lot. I've lived in the blue zone. I, I kind of liked it there because I knew I wasn't red like a lot of people are. Bless God, I wasn't that far back. At least I was living in the blue. Don't tempt me with a yellow, Lord. But I'm getting along. I'm getting along. How many of you are saved? How many of you believe God answers prayer? How many of you give to this project? We need to raise some funds for the glory of God. Blue is my color. Blue is where I live. I love it in blue. But then after a while, even things that you like, you start to get sick of them. I mean, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I like black-eyed peas. I like to put some vinegar on them, flavor them up a little bit, you know. But honest to goodness, I cannot eat a whole bowl of them. It's kind of like the, you know, we'll buy these uh, specialized nuts. I buy them when, when, when the grocery store has them on. Buy one and get one free. <laughs> Carolyn's even come up with the grocery cart. She said, we must have had a lot of things on Get One Free today. <laughs> but so my whole shelf, my whole shelf is lined up with these these peanuts and specialized nuts, these blended nuts and all, you know. But this is my problem. Carolyn will take one of those cans and open it up. And next thing I know, all the cashews are gone. Pick, 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 pick. And I'm left to eat the peanuts and the Brazil nuts and whatever those other things that I don't know the name of are. I just, <laughs> sometimes we just we just pick the, the good parts and, and and the rest of it we put up with or leave for somebody else. It is fun living in the blue zone because it doesn't take all that much. No, it doesn't take all that much. I can make it Sunday to Sunday. But then somebody preaches something that stirs your heart. Somebody tells you something you didn't know, you didn't realize. The Spirit of God says something to you that you never heard before. 
and you start to realize what you're missing. And you say, I'm not happy here any longer. And you move closer. You try to get closer. Where you want to get is right in the center. Right in the center. As close to the center and live as close to the center as you possibly can. And the Lord showed me to walk a new way. And I so long didn't understand it. Because I knew I was walking with the Lord. And I was. In fact, I was getting closer to the Lord. Praying and seeking God. I was seeking God more than I had in years. Seeking God earnestly. Crying out. I was getting closer to the Lord. That's why that experience happened in the middle of the night. But when the Lord told me He was going to show me and I was going to walk a new way, I didn't understand that part. Because I've walked with God all these years. I won't say I've walked with Him perfectly all that time. Because I've confessed, I've lived some in that carnival red zone. I've lived some of that mediocre blue zone. I think maybe most of my life I might have lived in that yellow zone. And that's close to God. That's closer to God than most people ever get. And you can be satisfied with that. I can try to be satisfied with that. But there's something about this that the closer you get to the center, the more there's a pull on your heart to get closer still. The closer you get to Him, the more there's a desire for you to get closer still. The closer you get to walking into that secret place, that secret shelter, You don't want to live in the tents anymore, refer my vision again. You don't want to live on the ground level in the valley in the tents anymore. You want to climb the mountain. You want to enter into the palace. You want to enter into the secret place of God where you're living in the very heart of God. Amen. Go ahead and clap for glory of God. And so the Lord told me I'd walk a new way, and I thought, even when he showed it to me, I had to kind of diagram it in my own mind. That's why this is kind of diagrammed it in my own mind. So then you get close to God and you're warm and feeling his presence. You're in that yellow time and you're getting closer and closer and closer to that white area. And this is where I walked. This is where I've walked most of my life. I confess to you, I walked most of my life in that yellow area right on the edge of the white part. Because the white part is the very center. The white part is the very center of God. The very center, the absolute center of God's will. The absolute center of God's love. The fullness of all in all with God. And I walked, I walked, I'd walk up to that, I'd walk up to that white edge and get there and but when you cross over into that white edge, there's a price to be paid. You will not get there without a cost. You will not get there without a cost. You will not get there without a cost. You will have to pay a price. And most of us are not willing to pay it. I've been faced with it sometimes and questioned whether I was willing to pay that price. But if we want to get into that secret place of the Most High, the secret shelter of God, we've got to pay that price. There's some things you're going to have to give up, and you already know what they are. Don't you? You already know what they are. God's already been dealing with you about it. He's already been talking to you about things that you do too much, too much time, spend too much time on frivolous things, useless things, worthless things, 
and he stepped down temporarily, and, and he was out in the back of the church one morning. Carolyn was nearby, and she heard him go into a tirade. He just up. Had to calm him down, take him out, said, now what was wrong? He said, somebody, I know now they've been trying to get me out. I know they've been trying to put me out because somebody, he said who it was, standing right on my spot up there. Right on my spot. That's my spot. That's my place. This is my place. And you leave it alone. If I'm not here, you can't use this. This is mine. And they calmed him down and and finally, he came to talk to me on a Wednesday night. One of the few times I've been late going into a Wednesday night service, about 15 minutes late going to that Wednesday night service, and I talked to him for about an hour and a half. But I could not persuade him that he was wrong. I could not persuade him that his spirit was wrong. I could not persuade him that he was in error. And he said, I just can't come here knowing that this is true, that I've been mistreated, that somebody stood in my place on the platform, just, just about, I don't want to offend anybody, so just before I go any further, is there anybody here who thinks that you have a place that nobody else can have in this church, a little seat that nobody else can have? Is there anybody besides me, because I know you? <laughs> is there anybody here who thinks that if you, if you came and found somebody sitting where you don't want to sit, you'd get up and ask them to leave because that's your place? Just, I want to know so I can go talk to you after church. Is there anybody here like that? Well, so he believed that totally. He, he really did believe it. I said, you're just wrong. You're wrong, and you cannot sing in that music group with that kind of spirit, and you, I don't think you need to stay here. He said, well, I'll have to go. And I said, well, God bless you, brother. And he left. I will give him this much credit. Three months later, something had happened. He came back, and it was so intense when he came back that night in the church, and I saw him in the back of the church, and at the close of the service on that Wednesday night, he started to walk down the aisle. I started walking down the aisle to meet him because I didn't know what he was going to do. Previously, it had been so bad, I didn't know if he'd come back to finish the, finish it up. So I walked down the aisle to meet him to stop him if I had to. And he said, I said, he said, Pastor, I want to see the person who he thought had turned his microphone down and offended him and mistreated him and all that. He, I want to see that person. I said, well, what do you want? Because I, I wasn't going to move if, if nothing had changed. He said, well, I want to apologize. God's helped me to see things I didn't see when I left. I want to apologize. I said, do you mean that? Yes, I mean it. So I took him right down there, asked the person if she was willing to be with him. She said, of course, she'd always been willing to cooperate with him in every way. And nothing but been shown a Christian spirit all the way through. Stood down and talked with him. He said, I want to apologize for things I said and what I did. Well, I'll give him this much credit. He got it. Uh, he, 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 he asked for forgiveness and he apologized. So somewhere down the line, you might need to be entertained by that first part I told, but you might also be instructed by that second part. He made it right. He came and asked for forgiveness. And that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. If you want to move into the secret place, if you want to get closer and closer and closer to God, you've got to forgive any offense. You've got to hold no grudge. You've got to live Live, live in the spirit of forgiveness. Whether the person, go ahead, go ahead.
That's not for me. That's for the truth. And so, when the Lord showed me, you'll walk a new way, I realized, I realized what he was showing me was that this is where I need to be. What I need to do is to not stop right here at the end of this yellow, which is getting pretty close to the Lord and pretty close to that secret place. But this is a place, this is a place from here to here that I haven't walked before. There's a depth, there's a depth that I probably thought I had covered, that I probably thought I had walked, and the Lord helped me see there's still steps, there's still steps, there's still movement, there's still room to get closer to me than you have ever been before. I confess to you this morning, I don't fully understand what all that is. I don't fully understand what else it is. But I do know this. I know God's going to show me. And when God shows me what the next step is, I have to take that step. I have to do it. Because he told me to walk a new way. I've gone... I've gone as far as I've gone to go. I've walked in all the knowledge I've had, all the understanding I've had to get as close as I can to God. But I know that there's something else, and there's there's still some space in here that God has to show me how to cover. And that's the way, that's the way that I haven't walked before. Let's just say, for the purpose of this illustration, that's the way from here, here, that's the way from here to here, from the edge of that white part right up to the very heart of him who stands there waiting in the secret place, where the secret place of the Most High, he is prepared for you and me to stand, hidden away with him, and in the shadow of the Almighty. So close that we're standing in the very shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 25 says, Who are those who fear the Lord, who hold Him in awe and reverence and worship Him? Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path that they should choose. Read it in Psalm 25, verse 4. He will show them the path that they should choose. A new way. Walk a new way. That's the path we should choose to walk with Him. He goes on to say, when you do that, you will live in prosperity and your children will inherit the land. When He says that the secret of the Lord, the next verse, verse 14 of Psalm 25 says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord. God calls us friend. Another translation says that, that he will call us friends. 
The Lord is a friend to those who fear him, he says. He will show us the, his secret place. We'll call us friend. So close we'll be to him, he will show us his secret place. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. And friendship brings us into that very, very close secret place. Psalm 25 is a powerful testimony for that. The secret or the wise counsel of the Lord. Translate that secret as being the wise counsel of the Lord. He will show us things that we do not know. For the Lord was with those who fear him. And then he goes on to say, he will teach them his covenant. In that relationship with him, he will teach us his covenant, teach us his word, teach us his agreements, teach us the promises he's made, teach us the contracts we've entered into with him, the obligation that he has willfully, willingly, the obligation that he has willingly chosen to take on himself on our behalf, to enter into agreement with us, that he will do great and mighty and wonderful things in our lives if we will walk with him as he's called us to do. That's the secret counsel of the Lord. I'm going I'm to read Psalm 91. I'm going to read the whole psalm to you. Psalm 91. We're going to go there. I can't tell you what version to read it in, but this is what I did. I took Psalm 91, and I, and I started reading, and I read it in various translations. I said, oh, it's powerful everywhere you read it. So I took the best parts of, of the King James, the English Standard, New International, Amplified Bible, New Living Translation. I took the best parts of all of it and put them in this is, in, in this is what I want to share with you. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the secret shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty close enough to stand in his shadow. He is my God, and I trust him, for he will rescue you. Now, that was personal for me. Now, this is an admonition to everyone of all of us, including me and you. He will rescue you from the snare of the fowler. That's the traps, the snares that the hunter who's trying to take your life, destroy you, has set out for you, the snare of the fowler. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Did you get that? His faithful promises are your armor and protection. All you need is the promise of God. You will not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. You will not dread the disease that stalks you in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Why? Because he's protecting us with the value and power of his promises. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but danger will not come near you. I'm just reading it. Hallelujah. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. That punishment is not for you. If you make the Lord your refuge, 
If you make the most high your shelter, your secret place, your secret shelter, if you, he says, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Think about that. The plague, the plague of alcoholism, the plague of addiction, the plague of immorality, giving in to the flesh, all that that pulls you away from God. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, not even near it. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. (laughs) Hallelujah. You will trample the lions and the cobras. Not just little black snakes. You will trample the lions and the cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Hallelujah. I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. I will answer when they call on me. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. How could you not take that deal? (laughs) How could you not take that offer? And it's provided to you by somebody who can do it. Somebody who can fulfill that word and that promise. That's where we have the privilege. That's where we have the privilege to be. I'm not talking about barely making it through to the kingdom. I'll say this one more time because I don't want to confuse you. I want to help you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living in the secret place, in the secret shelter, the mighty, powerful presence of God being the very center of your life and the victory and power of the Lord flow to you as he promised throughout the entirety of Psalm 91. That's where you want to be. Because that's where the joy is. That's where the glory is. That's where the victory is. That's what some of us need. We need to get in the place where the victory flows. We need to get in the place where the joy is abundant. We need to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Hallelujah.